This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So, first defeat post-World Cup has happened. Um, yes, fourth game back and a little mini run that, uh, you know, of, of good results has come to an end. Uh, was it a good performance though? Michael Stockley, how are you? I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you? I'm all right, mate. Um, we're recording here, aren't we? It's New Year's Eve. Yeah, just... Uh, <laughs> 102 minutes to midnight, so nearly 20 past 10 at night. So if you do hear any, any bangs in the background, people, there's a, there's some fireworks going off every now and again. Um, but yes, we're, we're seen in the new year recording a podcast. Wouldn't have it any other way, mate. We wouldn't. I tell you, the, the times and days that we do podcasts just, just gets weirder <laughs> and weirder. I, I was up at 8 <laughs> o'clock this morning ready to do one, and obviously that didn't happen because of Littland's illness. But... Um, Mate, uh, people can't say we're not dedicated, I tell you. I tell you what, what we should do next year is, as I said, we should see, we're seeing the new year in, uh, doing a podcast. What we should do is next year have like a um, an open mic, maybe a Twitter spaces and invite everybody in and see the new year together as a group, the Every Step family. How's that sound? Yeah, it sounds good to me, mate. Why not? <laughs> If, you, if anyone's up for that, if anyone thinks that's a good idea, you have to let us know on uh, on Twitter. Probably would be the best place. See us. <laughs> that's where space is. Sounds good to me, mate. Bro. So, um, yeah, like I said there, Mike, um, Burnley, top of the league, rolled into town, five wins on a bounce, um, banging form, really tearing teams apart. Um, but they didn't have it all their own way against us, did they? I mean, how how did you see that game going? You know, um, was it a positive performance at the end, even though it was a defeat, or yeah, you know, were you a bit sort of you know another home defeat and another maybe a bit toothless, maybe? Um, mate, I think you've actually summed it up relatively nice towards the end of that. I mean, yeah, toothless is is probably right. I mean, I, I say last part I said that we're going to lose three one wasn't obviously that dramatic. Um, Burnley didn't really offer very much at all. I think if we hadn't have handed them um, the most sloppiest goal I've seen at, at the Bet365 for some time, then they wouldn't have scored. I mean, we probably wouldn't have done either, in fairness. So we would have at least got a point. But um, I mean, I was starting to make some notes throughout the game because I think it's a lot easier than trying to remember. But I mean, first half, just for example, I thought it's, it's funny what the game of two halves and this player had a game of two halves. 
Harry Clark. I was like, at first it was brilliant. You know, he was gaining himself up the up the pitch. He was really solid in his defending, but you know, he was nicking balls up at, you know, at the top end of the pitch as well. That was allowing us to kind of keep pressure on. Um, you know, I thought first half we were very much on top, really, without still causing many problems. I know we had, I think they had about sixty odd, I think about sixty eight percent possession, if I remember rightly, um, in, in that first half, but. It didn't feel that way. You know, I never thought we were really in any danger, to be honest. Um, you know, again, like I say, I mentioned Clark. I'll come to the second half in a second, but Clark had a had a shocking second half. Like, the guy could not head a ball. Um, and obviously, he was very much at fault for the uh, for, for their goal. But, um, I mean, I thought we were lucky in certain extent. I mean, Morgan Fox shouldn't... Well, people say it was a penalty. It wasn't a penalty. It was just outside the box. Um, but again, sloppy. Um, even Harry Souter was sloppy at times uh, in his defence. He felt like he was a bit laboured, a bit slow uh, to get to things. But you know, you know what? Second half, I think you you rightly point out, mate. It was a game of of two halves. In a way, <laughs> it was a peculiar game because it's not like we were brilliant first half and shocking the second. I think it was just we felt more in control. Um, the big. There's a couple of big issues for me that last night. Yes, toothless was the good word to use. Um, I don't know. I'm going to have a bit of a moan about Harry Suter here. Um, We all know how good the guy is. I put this out on Twitter. We know how good he is. But he was the problem last night. Not the only problem, but he was a big, big problem to how we were playing. Because every time he picked the ball up, he would hoof it long. And time and time again, it would get cleared. I mean, the one thing I said last week, mate, from how they play and the stats and how they played against Birmingham, if you lug this ball long, they will clear it all day long. And it's exactly what they did. And why is Baker and the other professionals not having a word with Harry going, right, let's try and get it down. Let's get the midfield involved. We might as well have not had a midfield last night. So he needs to take a big brunt of the responsibility, as does Alex Neal, for him not making somebody or him telling him himself. I mean, I'll take a breath, mate, because you might want to comment on somebody. That's a long thing. I've got more to say, but um, that was a big issue for me. We did not play that game correctly last night. Yeah, so um, on Harry Suter, I think I think it's safe to say that was his poorest game for England or for, England, for Stoke or Australia since he's come back from his injury. Yeah. Um, by quite a way, probably. I don't think it was particularly bad, but in the others, he's been quite dominant. I mean, he's been sort of man of the match, sort of standard in most of those games, hasn't he, both at championship and international level. But yesterday, yeah, he just seemed to be off it. And whether the games have caught up with him, because, you know, he's had a long time out and then played quite a lot of games in a short space of time, uh, with a lot of travel as well. See, I'm not convinced of that, though, mate, because yesterday wasn't him being tired. That was him just lumping the ball long every five minutes. That's not down to tiredness. That's just having no other idea in your head of how you need to play. Like, do, do you not think maybe that the tactics, maybe the manager has oh, asked him to set up that way? Oh, 100%. Yeah, the, the, it must be because surely as a manager, if you realise that's not working, you go, okay, this ain't working. Instruction on the pitch. Baker, whoever you are, tell Harry to stop lumping the ball long. And it's, and it's done. So he clearly, Alex Neal clearly thought that that was the way through the other night. Um, 
Whereas, you know, every time we've had a good win or a good performance, typically we've got other players involved. You know, we've we've at least played balls into the channel and Tyrese has been running on some more. Jacobs, we've had a bit more um, style or, I don't know, focus, whatever you want to call it, mate. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, it's not just him. Baker, for me, that was one of his worst performances. I thought he was shocking, as was Smallbone. Both of them. I don't. I, I made an off-the-cuff comment, but like, I don't know what pictures of Alex Neal both of them have got. Because if we did, if we had better quality on that bench, both of them should be dropped tomorrow. And I, I really like Baker. Smallbone has been invisible since he walked through the door. But, but for me, Baker's been solid. Single. If we've got Nick Powell sat on the bench, then surely we do have better better quality on the bench than Will Smallbone. Well, so much no going on there. There's, I mean, no offence to Lad, but he's not... Um, yeah, there's not many players in the Championship who who could keep Nick Powell out of, fit Nick Powell out of a Championship side, is there? No, there isn't. And, and there you go. There was an ex- another example. Powell comes on, and every ball that he had was to his head. And in fairness to the guy, he actually won a few headers. <laughs> but Nick Powell yeah, is not there to, me, to win headers. No, not not think, in a, not yeah. in an upper ten position or you know attacking midfield. He shouldn't be winning headers there. Like it was just it, uh, we got the tactics very wrong. That's all. That's what we're trying to say, I guess. Yeah, I think I think first half they you know, if anyone was going to score in the first half, I think it was going to be Stoke. And you know we had chances. I mean Campbell scored off a corner, didn't he? But the I think the um, I haven't seen the replays, but from where you did the centre backs bit of roughing up in the as the corner came in and yeah. that's what it was yeah, that's what it was given for. Fair, so that's fair enough. Um and like I say, there was obviously I mean, Burnley didn't really Bonham had nothing to do, did he, the first half. Um you know, Campbell got in a couple of times down the wing, where he was played in a you know, got managed to get behind the defence. Once obviously he was denied by the keeper and then the other time you know, the Burnley defence sort of recovered quite well and then when he, he needed to cut the ball back to someone and he had no options, did he, to... to um, you know, the Burnley defence had covered off all his angles, really, so he couldn't do anything with that. Yeah, I mean, people were, again... A few people were slating Tyrese again. We're not going to go into that this time. But he was the least of our problems last night. Yeah, he didn't do much, but yet again, he didn't get the balls he needed to get in order to actually make any difference. The times he did do it, you know, we skinned their defender twice. Um, he obviously got unlucky with the goalkeeper's clearance that was a bit of a mess. But, you know, anything that he actually had to his feet or he had a chance to run, for me, he made a difference. So, I mean, people calling out Tyrese, again, you've got an agenda, I'm afraid, because there was much there, there was there was much more bigger problems than Tyrese Campbell last night. Yeah, I mean, actually I think we started well. What 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 impressed me, uh, I must say, was was the way that the they went about with Burnley. Like you say, it didn't feel like they had a lot of, more of the ball than us, but maybe they just kept it more and we sort of, when we did get it, like I say, moved it forward quicker, like you say, maybe along the balls and stuff. Um, but I think I, I think we set up, we sort of said this, didn't I, that we might do, we might put sort of Clark and Fox as his fullbacks, have a narrow back four, and then he's obviously gone for Brown, Timing, and Campbell up front, and those are the three, probably the three quickest players, attacking wise that we've got, aren't they? Yeah. And so it looks like he's gone right back four, keep it narrow, keep it tight, 
I want my two wide players to get back. Uh, my midfield are going to sit deeper and then we're going to try and hit them with pace, get the ball forward quickly, try and get them you know, retreating, balls over the back of the defence, get the defenders turning and create stuff like that. I think that's what we aim for. It didn't quite work out, but I think first half, we were definitely causing them problems and we were, their defence did not enjoy that first half. Um, like I say, one thing I did like there was the strong tackling. It's sort of something new to our game, sort of a throwback to good old-fashioned Stoke, if you like. <laughs> yeah. So, something that we've really been lacking and they were throwing themselves into tackles. I mean, I, everyone loves to see a good slide tackle, don't they? Yeah, they do, yeah. But, you know, if, if you were there, if you were a coach or something or if you were... You know, a football, um, like I say, a, a tactician, a coach, whatever. If someone's slide tackling, that's because they are, that's a last resort, isn't it? So if you're doing slide tackle after slide tackle after slide tackle, that's, that's a negative, really, in your play, because it means your defenders are being caught out and having to resort to that all the time. Yeah. However, as a supporter, it's great to see. <laughs> it's great to see. And um, like I say, it was just nice that you sh- and I think it, with Burnley as well, we were flying into tackles and we were we were strong. We were put, you know really upsetting them, and I think they picked up two two bookings before half time. They weren't bookings though, we, <laughs> really. We weren't. had a conversation, didn't we? We had a conversation, didn't we, half time, and I said that we had controlled aggression, and their response was that they didn't like it, and they. They tr- they thought they were just doing what we were doing, but in fact they were overstepping the mark, and then that's why they ended up with yellows. Yeah, because they, whereas we were controlled, they were more uncontrolled in their aggression. Yeah, um, and I think yeah, that if that's something that Alex Neal's getting into them, then I'm all for it. I think especially against especially against teams who are technically better than us, because I think for a long time we've had technically superior players who have been bullied by opposition. They've lacked desire. They've lacked um, the, the the wanting to to roll the sleeves up and really get stuck in because they've been technically superior to the opposition in so many matches. But that doesn't win your championship games of football quite often, does it? No. You just because you're technically better than the opponent doesn't mean you're going to win matches in this league. Would you say that our players they were technically better than the opposition? I mean, maybe one or two. I mean, for a long time they were. For example, when we first got relegated, and you think of that side that we had in that when Gary Rout was in charge and then Nathan Jones, and the money that we spent and the wages we were paying out to the top-end championship players that kept coming, revolving door. I think now we have got a, quite a serious problem the other way, in that people complained about Michael O'Neill's signings last summer. That really is... That, that's the level that we are currently able to bring in due to restrictions. Um, and it's not what we're used to seeing as Stoke fans in recent years. Yeah. I think that's the struggle. People complaining, oh, he brought crap in, O'Neill. Well, I think he brought in the best he could, the best he had available with the money and the budget he had. And that's that's unfortunate, really, isn't it, that that's the case. <laughs> but, yeah, but then you've got, again, I know we've spoke about this before yeah that's all we could get um but at the same time you've got to call out the owners again here because if they've allowed him to go and get these players that fit into o'neill's style of play and what he wants 
he didn't get any chance to really do anything with them. So you've got to say, well, Luke, you either, again, <laughs> they'll keep harping back onto this, but you either give him till like now, where O'Neill would have would have had, you give him till now to use the players that he thinks are suitable, um, or you don't, allow, you don't, again, you don't allow him to sign anyone. That was the big mistake they made for me. I don't always like calling out there as I think. I think, again, the whole uh, people hate it, but we're lucky to have them in certain extents. Yeah, we absolutely are. But it doesn't mean they shouldn't be held, account, held accountable when, when, when you feel they're accountable. And they made a big mistake with that for me. They should have got rid of him in the summer, straight away, final game of the season. Thanks, Michael. See you later. If that's how close, if that, if that's how close to the edge they felt he was with them, that he could be sacked four games into the following season. There was four games on it, middle of August. Yeah, wasn't wasn't much at all. Yeah, a week before the end of the deadline, it, wasn't it? Yeah, right? yeah, and and we we beaten Blackpool at that time. It wasn't as if we like had a nightmare start. But if he'd, if that's where he was in their eyes, then he should have gone to the end of the following season. Yeah, it shouldn't have left as where we are. Season, sorry. He should have got at the end of the previous season, shouldn't he? Yeah. But, yeah, like you say, you can go back to that. I think, I mean, the issue, I will say, I mean, I've seen a lot of comments saying that, you know, this manager's gotten a, a knee-jerk reaction out to players when he's going to a new club and, and this club took on this manager and he went in and made an instant impact. And people saying Neil needs a transfer window and that's wrong, he should be able to go in and do straight away. The issue is that we have flip-flopped in management style for such a long time and it took it took Michael O'Neill two years to get his squad because he had he had five different managers players when he took over, didn't he? Yeah. And when he brought some of his own. So there's five different managers players in that squad and they were all different styles. There wasn't any sort of um there wasn't any sort of long term like repetition in the style of manager that was being hired. They were literally one end of the scale to the other. So you ended up with players who a manager come in and said, I want to play like this. Well, he's no good to me, but I've got to play him because he's cost however much. And he's probably the, yeah, he's probably the most skillful player in the squad, one of the most skillful players in, the, in that position, but he, he's not really suited to how I want to play. So you've got that going on and you like I say that takes time then to like Alex Neal Alex Neal likes to play with width now he came in there and there was absolutely no wingers was there obviously mm-hmm. Tariq Fossu he found out that he is a winger <laughs> but um, when he first came in we had no wingers at all did we so of course he needs time he needs at least two windows to get his own players in because he's not He's not followed a person who, who plays the same style as he does. And you'll find yeah. that clubs clubs who do have managers come in and make instant impacts generally are clubs that hire managers who follow the previous style. Is that is that not a problem from the owners then? Constantly flip flopping between styles of managers. Shouldn't we go as a club say, right, we want to play attacking football, four three three or think, whatever you want to do and stick into th- it. I think we've said that before. Yeah, I think we've said that before. And I don't even think it's it's to do with formation or well, anything no. like that. It, it's it's how do you want to play? Do you wanna do you want to be a high intensity, fluid, um you know, with plenty of movement off the ball, um 
you know, moving together, move, keeping the ball on the deck and moving it. Thing. Do you want to be like that? And that's the kind of manager you hire, someone who plays that way. It's someone who plays, you know, youth, brings youth through and does it like that. Because that's generally easier way to do that is with youngsters and to young players because they're coached and they're still in that sort of mindset. Or do you want to be somebody who maybe like last night, um, you know, they're gonna you're gonna go out there and you're gonna be a difficult team, you're gonna be hard, you're gonna be fine stackers, you're gonna be big, strong. Well, you know, teams who come up against you, they know you're gonna be you know, you're all gonna be big six foot three, six foot four, you're gonna be you know, barging people off the ball and stuff and and they're in a battle, everyone's team but it's an identity. It might not be pretty to watch, it might not be your best choice, but it's an identity and you can real, you can go and get managers around that. Well, I think you're right, mate, because that's one thing we don't have is an identity. I'd have a clue what yeah. type of a football team we are right now. Clearly, we're not a long ball we team. Aren't. Last night showed that. <laughs> we, aren't, we aren't any kind of football team, are we? That's the problem. No. Um, like you're saying, I think they do need to... It would help massively if there was a, like a long, like say, a long-term succession plan. And it's like... I think that that's, that's as well where um, a good sort of director of football comes in mm. or something where somebody who holds holds that you know the whole recruitment and everything around and your manager is not a manager but a head coach well that's what i don't you know, get oh, <clears throat> i was just going to say what i don't get then is obviously alex nils was it a technical director or something he brought in um yeah. recently i mean the whole point was apparently i was getting away from that type of thing and now we allow Alex Neil to bring this guy in. What if Neil doesn't work out? Then all of a sudden we're replacing him and the technical director and the cycle starts again. We, sh- we shouldn't be allowing yeah. managers to have that type of control. It might have worked and years ago, but not now. Let's be honest as well. A technical director is the person who the manager or the head coach would answer to. So if you've got a manager... Who doesn't answer to the head? Co- uh, sorry, you've got a head coach who doesn't answer to the technical director or the the director of football, and that sort of relationship isn't. It's it's a sort of not a standard relationship there. Yeah, like really, you, you director of football, your technical director, whatever, would say these are your footballers, this is your squad. You know, are you happy? What positions would you like? This is how you're going to play. Are these your positions? Uh, so these your squad. What positions would you like to improve on? Okay, okay, leave that with me. Uh, right. Well, left. You want a left back? Okay. Well, left backs. We need them to be. We need them to have this, 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 and this as attributes. We'll go away. We'll find you half a dozen, and we'll come back and let you choose which one you prefer out of those five or six. Mate, I I, I agree. Um, and I don't don't want to get to the whole owners debate. I mean, it's their club. I suppose, from a financial perspective, they could do what the hell they think's right. But yeah. um, how long, I mean, how many years have we gone for before some changes? I, I, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not anti coats at all. Um, I think they've done fantastic. Obviously, especially towards the, the beginning of the reign, I think, you know, the, if they hadn't come in when they did, if Peter Coates hadn't taken over when he did, there might not even be a Stoke City here today. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was in that state um, towards the end of the Icelanders' reign. And we've had some great times here. We've had 10 years in the Premier League. We've had an FA Cup final, a Europa League run. The last few years, again, we seem to be hitting quite a few blips, don't we, in a row. 
Yeah, with no sign of getting out of it. <laughs> yeah, that, I think they need to turn the tide on that as quick as you know, as, as quick as we can. And um, so they have tried different things, but I think the main thing they've forgotten is that we need as a club, we need an identity, and hopefully that. Sort of being, you know, hopefully that they have seen that now and moving forward. So we won't know that, will we, until there's you know the next one or two managers come through the door. Let's say if 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 Alex Neal's here for two two and a half three years, we can't sit here for the next two and a half three years. Lambas doing the same thing. Lambas and the owners with the same line of, well, you know, we we you keep flip flopping managers and all this like we've just been saying because. If we say that, well, we don't. We don't know. They may well have learned a lesson from that. They may well be a plan in place now. I think I've come to the realization that unless we have an absolute bang in January, the season's over because we're we're we're, we're pretty much going to be fighting for 14th, 15th place. And even right now, that looks un- unlikely. Just I don't know, mate. I, I'm just feeling very um, not negative. I'm just feeling very apathetic about this season so far. If you like. I mean, what a calamity of errors that was. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just just a little bit. And as much as I said, you know, Harry Clark for me had a, a really good first off. As I said, he had the complete opposite of, of a second off. Um, he couldn't head the ball straight. Uh, he's getting frustrated with himself. His, his confidence clearly took a knock because he blamed himself for the goal. And you know what? Yeah, you should blame yourself for the goal because Fox, for me, doesn't do an awful lot wrong. Maybe he should try and send their player. You know, he's left footed. He's going to want to come inside. So maybe he should have tried to send their player to the you know to the byline instead of inside. Um, Bonham dives to stop the ball. Well, it's already gone past him. So no complaints for me up to that point. Harry Clark scuffs his lines and kicks it against his own bloody keeper. Um, and then you know Baker. Uh, someone posted a video earlier on, and I was like, oh, I didn't even notice that. Baker literally lets the goal scorer go. He's right next to him. And he just puts his arm out, half arsed, you know, pulling trying to I'll try and think about pulling him back, loses his man, he goes and scores. Once again, Baker at fault. And I don't want to keep calling the guy out because I think when he's on form, he's bloody good. Like to the point where he, he can be an exceptional midfielder in this league. But I don't know what's wrong with him recently, mate. It's things like that that are, that are making him look very poor. Um but yeah, so Clark has to get some height on that and clear it. You're right, mate. The calamity of errors is the best way of summarising that goal. Sloppy as hell. And to think that, you know, that's what cost us a, you know, a match against something out of it. It's, it's just poor. It's just poor. Yeah, I mean, three, four times it could have been um, headed away, couldn't it, or cleared away. And like you say, it's been hit in the back of the keeper's on the keeper's back, it's been with these slice clearances, missed it, just awful <laughs> to be honest. But we've got some audio from Joe. So, Joe from Turfcast, we heard him in the preview for this game. So, now he's been back in touch with his thoughts on how he feels after the game. Hi guys, Joe Evan here from Turfcast Podcast, just giving my thoughts on tonight's Burnley victory at the Bet365 Stadium. Yeah, well, it, it weren't a pretty watch, was it? Um, we were pretty poor, especially in the first half. I don't really think we were great in the second half. We just got a bit better and managed to get more of a foothold in the game. 
Um, but we did not give a good reflection of ourselves tonight, though, um, at all. In fact, in both games against Stoke, we didn't give a good reflection of ourselves. So you are probably watching our two games thinking, how are they 14 points clear a third? Um, promise you, in, in all the other games, we've been very, very, very good. Um, but I think tonight may have been one game too many, and I'm a little bit worried now about the Swansea game on, um, I think it's the second or the third. I can't remember off the top of my head, but we'll play Swansea away next, of course. They just got a very good result uh, at home against Watford. Um, but yeah, I think I think all the games are catching up with us a little bit. We did squad rotate tonight, and we do have that um, benefit, whereas I know some teams don't, so I probably sound like I'm whinging for nothing. Um, but I think the players that came in tonight for us weren't anywhere near the standard as as the players that have been starting recently. Ashley Barnes, love him. He's been a great servant to the club, and he recently got two goals against the horse fiddlers down the M65, so obviously he's still a legend and always will be. Um, but it is not up to the standard of, of what we've been used to this season. Um, Darko Churlinov, it was his first ever start for Burnley tonight. And I think you could tell that looking at him. Um, the front four, the best front four that we have for me is Zorora, Benson, um, Brownhill behind the front three, and either Jay Rodriguez or Nathan Teller through the middle. I'd probably go Nathan Teller. Um, so, yeah, we're missing quite a few of them um, today. From the start, anyway, I know Brownhill started. Um, and, of, of course, Benson did. But he's been a little bit quiet recently, anyway. Um, but he, he seems to get clattered every single game. And he got clattered early on against against you, didn't he? It weren't a penalty, let's be honest. It was outside the area. But it should have definitely been a free kick and a yellow card. But is what it is. But, um, yeah, obviously happy to get the win. I'm sure you boys will be feeling a little bit frustrated at the minute. Um, probably didn't deserve to lose um, on your side, but you didn't really do enough to win the game. Um, I'm not really sure we did. If it, the difference was when you had a couple of corners that were scrambling around in the first half, we were good enough to deal with it and defend it and, and get rid of it. When we had one that scrambled away, uh, so it scrambled around in the half, you weren't good enough to get it away. You had a comedy of errors uh, and we slotted away thankfully for us. Um, but yeah, obviously, happy to take the W uh, and move on, and move on swiftly, and, uh, and thank you very much. Good luck for the rest of the season. Uh, cheers for that, Joe. And uh, yes, one very last thing now. Uh, man of the match. Now, I voted for Jordan Thompson. Uh, Mike give his to Morgan Fox. And you guys have voted with... There's only... Well, the top three is Jordan Thompson, well, by Harry Clark and Morgan Fox. Well, I was going to say, mate, for a game where we were complaining about sloppy defending and how bad Clark was in the second half, I'm surprised he featured at all. Um, but the fact we've got really no attacking midfielders in there, no strikers in there. I mean, even Stewart and Block 9 must have got a vote. So just, just yeah, it just said everything, doesn't it, really? Don't need to go into any more than that. It just says it everything. Does, it does, yeah, write it off, mate, yeah. and let's pretend um, it never happened. Eh? There's no real news this week, is there? No. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to dive now straight into Preston. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116-123. That's 116-123. 
They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Yes, the visit of the Lillywhites, Preston North End. <laughs> we only have one point from our last four home games versus Preston, which dates back to 2008. And that victory in 2008 is actually our only home win in our last nine home games versus Preston, going back to 2003. Do you know what? I mean, just, just stepping aside from these facts here, the, how many weeks do we say, you know, these, the teams who have regularly been in the championship weather the last four or five years, most weeks we come on and say, in the last four or five games, we've only won one, or we've only won two at home. There are very few sides, it seems, that we we are we're beaten at home. It just goes to show, doesn't it, with this? It's been going on now for years. Poor home form. It, it has, man. I think, is this not on target to be the worst home record in about 40 oh, or 50 it years. It me. Can't, can't, be, can't be far off, can it? No, I don't know if it's a Sentinel or a, a seen it somewhere, but I swear someone said it was the worst for 40 years so far. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I, I don't know. I think the home fans deserve a little bit of a a little bit of a performance um, on, on Monday, mate. Whether we'll get it, I don't know. But no, you're right, mate. I mean, our home form, I don't think I haven't actually got the home and away tables to see where we are at home, but we must be bottom or second bottom yeah, still, well, I expect. Yeah. Well, you should mention that because that's my next stat. Stoke are 22nd in the home table. Uh, Preston, incidentally, are 21st in the home table. Um, so both of both called, both of these teams like playing away uh, rather than at home. Uh, in the last five games, Stoke sit 13th in the league uh, with five points from them as five. Whilst Preston in the last five games actually sit twenty second in the table, so they're not in good form. The twenty sixth league game of the season in five of the last six seasons, we have lost that match. So an interesting little stat there, um, Harry Souter. So he books the recent trend though. So we haven't got a great record against Preston, have we? In recent times, we've said not many wins, not many points even. Um, Turns out, Harry Souter has played three career games versus Preston and is unbeaten. He's unbeaten in those games. So, get him, uh, as long as we can keep him sticking around to the 2nd of January, we don't sell him on the 1st, <laughs> we should be all right. You say about whether we, we sell him or not, and I, I, sorry, I really don't want to go down a rabbit hole again here because I've been uh, a bit bad for that at this point, but... Um... In fact, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to it. Remind me to talk about Harry Souter and Sally. We'll come back to it. Okay, Carry so Lewis Baker has 10 points from five career um, five career appearances, which is more points than any other current championship side. So he has got 10 points against Preston, which is more than any other team in this league in his career. Um, Dwight Gale, I, wonder if that, I don't know if that brace is off yet. Uh, but three career games versus Preston, three wins, four goals scored. Let's see, might have to wheel him out anyway, brace or not. I think he is. Um, I think he's one of the main ones who's coming back, mate. Um, so I think we'll we'll see him on Monday, and I I, I probably expect that he, he potentially may even start. Well, we've had well, we've had a lot of games in a short space of time, haven't we? And um, I think it's always good to maybe to sort of you know 
freshen up the uh, the attacking part of the pitch. I mean, Campbell, for example, has played a lot of minutes anterior for Christmas. He could be due a rest. Um, but I suppose it's difficult to rest players. You better players who are actually influencing games like Campbell has, but the lap been doing the same, and he he didn't play did he like in the against Burnley? So I suppose it's uh, just keep moving the squad around, keeping freshening them up. Um, Preston have scored fifteen goals away from home compared to just eight at home, and they've conceded twelve on the road against the fourteen they've conceded at Deepdale. So yeah, nearly twice as many goals scored away from home as they have at home this season. Those are my stats. Would you like some referee stats? So the referee is Lee Doughty. So he has ref stoked twice this season. And it's good news, mate. Very good news. Away wins at Burnley and Blackburn. So two games, two away wins. Fantastic. Just what we need. The guy, this guy in charge. Uh, last time he ref Preston, a 3-0 defeat at Fulham in April. So again... That's good news. Left eye rest pressed and they lost. In fact, Stoke are undefeated in five games refed by Doughty, uh, which is the most games that he's refed a team where they're unbeaten. Uh, whilst Preston, he's refed them twice and uh, he's lost both games. Yeah, so they are yet to uh, yet to get a point with him in charge. 16 games this season, he's given out 68 yellows, three reds, and this seems quite a big figure. Six penalties in 16 games. Well, that's not our first mate. We don't get given penalties, so <laughs> it's irrelevant. So, yes, we. Uh, that, it, it seems positive, though. It seems positive, doesn't it? I mean, the thing is, we might get given penalties. It doesn't always mean we're going to score them, though, does it? That, that, was, a, that was a problem for a long Well, no, time. Yeah, maybe that's what Baker needs. He just needs needs an Ulari off his backside or something just to give him a bit of confidence. I mean, somebody was saying to me about Baker, but you know, he's he's been playing quite deep, so maybe that's yeah. not suiting him. Maybe getting him and Laurent back together because them two played well when they were both together. So maybe that's something now Laurent's back and getting fit. Maybe that's what will happen, and and maybe that will help him to play better because you know we've seen it in the past, haven't we? There's certain midfielders and. You know, certain strike forces that just click together for no known reason. Sometimes it just clicks. Um, so maybe it's something as subtle as that. Um, but yeah, we we we're talking well, it's about. It's you should say that because my team actually has Lauren and Baker playing together. <laughs> um, ah, okay. Yeah, so I'll there give you the rest of that team in a minute. For me, I think Preston. They don't concede many goals. I mean, at the start of the season, they had about six or seven nil nils, didn't they, to start the season off. It was like nil-nil every week uh, for the first month or so. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, but I think, yeah. Although they don't concede a lot of goals, they do seem to concede a lot of shots. And I think what happens is I think they, they sit quite deep, the midfield sit quite deep, and then the opposition end up having a lot of what are like sort of classed as low percentage shots. So shots maybe from like the edge of the box because you've got six defenders in the way and so the keeper pulls off a lot of saves, but a lot of them are probably quite comfortable for him because um, they're coming from distance. And obviously, so the, the worry for them is obviously if it takes a deflection, it can catch a keeper out and that. But I think that's like I say they take a lot. So in that, with that in mind, um, 
it could be a good game for Baker because obviously you know he, he, if he can get himself in and around the edge of the box, he does like a, a good shot from there, doesn't he? He does manage to find the corner quite often. Um, so you've got Baker. I mean, I bring Powell in because I think he's another one who can take advantage of something like that in midfield. If they're going to sit deep and we're going to give us a bit of quite a lot of the ball, I think Baker and Powell in midfield with Loren, Loren can sort of you know do a lot of the dirty work and that and maybe free Baker up a bit. Um, like I say, Powell, Powell doesn't mind getting stuck in, as doesn't Baker, but they're both very good in advanced positions if you get them there. And like I say, if we're allowed to, them to allowed to push on a bit because they're sitting deeper, I think both of them as well, like I say, can find the net from distance, can't they? Yeah, yeah, they can, mate. And I think I agree with you on the the kind of lineup. Actually, I mean, Powell for me, I mean, Mister Glasslegs, he's still got to come ahead of Smallbone. Um, to be honest, we we need creativity, and like I say, I, I don't want to keep jumping down players. It's but you got you got to say what you see, and I don't see anything in Smallbone. I really don't. I don't. I don't get what he sees in him at all. I understand he's still a young player, so fine, he's still developing, but. I don't. I don't know what he, what he is. Is he a defensive? Is he box to box? Is he? He's certainly not an attacking midfielder. Um, whereas for me, I would. I'd rather Baker to be sat there. But yeah, Powell. He, he needs to be given a chance, mate. I don't know what's going on with him. Either something's happening. He's had a fallout or whatever it may be. Maybe he thinks I am fit enough, but you're not giving me a chance. And they've had a bit of a, an argy bargy kind of you know chat, or or whether he's just typical Nick Powell. He's just not fit. Um, I don't know which way it is, mate, but he's got to be worth a chance. You know, bring him on. If he's only got 50 minutes or 60 minutes in him, bring him on. Hope he can make a difference. Get his one or two nil up and then take him off. I've never understood that. If you're fit enough to be on the bench, you're fit enough to start a match. Go win the game and take him off later. Okay. So, um, for me, I'm keeping Bonham in goal. Do it for my team. I've got Clark and Tymon with fullbacks. And Suter and Wilmot. I thought that they actually as a pairing didn't look too bad. I was a scrappy goal on that. Um, but in a two, I thought because obviously Suter, a lot of Suter's better players always been in the back three antics. But I thought him and Wilmot are the two actually sort of played quite well together. Um, don't know what you thought, Mike, looking at it. Um, yeah, I quite like them together. I think I agree with you. I think they're better in a in a back three. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Wilmot, for me, I know he got a bit of criticism the other night. I didn't quite see no, any negative play personally, but maybe it wasn't. Showing the, the level he's at, he should be playing for the Vale. What? Yeah. Really? He's been pretty good this season. He's allowed to have one or two bad games. I think, by and large, he's been pretty solid. I, I wouldn't say he's done anything amazing, but he's certainly not been a bad player. So, again, he's entitled to his opinion, but I don't know what he's seen. He's certainly not, what, League 1, League 2 level? No. Yeah, I mean, for me, yeah. this season, he's probably possibly our best player, most consistent player anyway. Um, in a defence that, let's face it, is constantly chopping and changing and people coming in, people dropping out, people injured, people suspended, or in, out, and out. And he's, you know, back four, back five, three, five, you know, constant changes. And he's... He's in being moved around as well. I think he's done very well. Yeah, and again, another young player still yeah. trying to learn his trade. Not massively young. I'm not saying he's still 23, but, you know, he's still not got three, 400 championship games or whatever it is behind him. 
I mean, is this problem? I don't know. I've not seen his stats, so it could be way off. But I don't remember no. him playing an awful lot with Watford. He's Still learning, and himself. also, it's not as if the guy next to him's got 300, 400 games. I mean, obviously, if Jagielka's there, then, you know, we're talking probably about 10,000. But, <laughs> um, but if he's playing with, like, Suter, or even a Fox, I mean, Fox hasn't got, you know, hundreds and hundreds of championship games. As he, you know, he's been sort of a sort of a League One kind of level and stuff in between you know, parts of his career and and also he's like left back as well, so he's not sort of, you know, not got a lot of experience at that level. You got Harry Clark in that defensive line, you know, another youngster or Dujon Sterling. Um Josh Timon. Josh Timon's another one, is he? He hasn't got hundreds of games behind him. So, you know, if he's looking around it's not there. I mean, Lewis Baker in front of even even in front of him there. Lewis Baker, Will Smallbone, Will Smallbone. I think he's played more games this season. He has his entire career put together. Um, and then obviously, like I say, Baker's twenty-seven. Yeah, he is. But how many actual championship games has he been able to play, or you know, decent level and um, games in this country? We we need a couple of thirty-two, thirty-three-year-olds in there. I mean, even the goalkeepers, Bursic, Bonham. How many championship games have they got between them? Not many. But I say there's not enough. For, and maybe that's why we, we do look more solid when Jagielka plays, maybe. Um, maybe we could put Jagielka in front as, as the as the back two. Maybe that's what we need. But Jagielka forgot even oh, Flint was alive, to be honest. How far he's, um, he's dropped off. I mean, no, he's not Connor even on the bench anymore, bench, is he? Which I think goes to show that the reason Connor Taylor stopped playing was due to injury more than anything because he's now on the bench without actually coming on the pitch and doing anything. He has naturally, when well, now he's fit, because he played a couple of under-23 games and under-21 games, um, he's done that and now he's on the bench. So I think the reason he stopped playing and was not in contention for a long time was an, an injury that, as per usual, we just knew nothing about. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so those are my, that's my about four. Midfield, Loren Baker, Powell in there as well. Hopefully trying to get Loren as the sitting and Baker and Powell both being able to push up. Um, and then I'm going for Campbell, Delap and Fosu as my front three. I think Clark and Timon can support getting forward. Uh, Fosu and Campbell can both support getting back. But yeah, I, um, I do uh, think, I think there's enough goals, there's enough creativity in that side. And um, yeah, I still would. I wouldn't. I think the run out for me, two 0 winners, Delap and Powell scoring the goals. Powell's going to, Powell's going to stick one in the top corner from twenty five yards. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll give you the team. No issues on the team for me. I, I again, I want to see Fosu come in. Um, I know what you're saying previously about maybe he doesn't fit into the current style, etc. But Fosu for me was one of the highlights of the season once he was right back to left left wing. Like he made a difference. He was involved in a lot of goals, movement, speed, creativity. Yeah, he was looking solid. So I think he was so unfortunate to get dropped when he did. So yeah, for me, mate, hundred um, percent. He needs to play. The rest of the team, you ain't gonna find me arguing with that, mate. I think that's that's probably as good as as, as good as we can yeah, put out right now. What do you reckon for your result, mate? Um, two nil. Two nil. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I'm gonna go for Tyrese. And let's go Powell as well. Why not? Yeah, maybe this is the kickstart to his season. Let's let's go Powell and Darius. Well, so obviously those are our predictions. 
Um, what we are missing, though, we are missing Graham McGarry. So here's what Graham thinks ahead of this first game of 2023. Hello there, you Potters predictors. This is Graham McGarry with his first prediction of the 2023 New Year. Of course, Stoke City are hoping that the New Year can bring some better results, some better performances and none more so, some more consistency to their side. They're taking on Preston North End, of course, at the Bet365, the day after New Year's Day. But that's hope it's a New Year celebration for the home crowd, because Preston at the moment is just having a slight dip in their form. And Stoke have already won at Preston a few weeks ago, and they'll be hoping to do a quick fire double now. Preston, of course, will possibly dark horses to be in those playoff places a few weeks ago themselves but the form was slightly dipped and it could just be the right time for Alex Neal's side to be taking on the Lily Whites. Home crowd, a new year, more hope, can they win it? Yes they can. My first prediction of 2023 is one for Alex Neal and the red and white stripes of Stoke City. Stoke 2, Preston nil. Cheers that, Graham. We're stealing my 2-0 two nil, two nil there. Um, fingers crossed, mate, that you know, we, we managed to get you the you know, first game right in a while. Fingers crossed. So, uh, also, now you may remember when we, went to, when we went to Deepdale that we spoke to Preston's ex-kitman, Steve. Now, he was kitman there when Alex Neal was there and uh, we are yet to nail him down, are we, Mike, for a good old... Um, what should we say? How you can pull and uh, ex, you know get all those stories out of him about Alex Neal. I think we are going to have to do that at some point, aren't we? But he's been in touch with us anyway, so he's been giving us his thoughts as Preston supporter ahead of the, this game. Hi, Preston fan here. Um, looking forward to the game on Monday. Um, I think we both need a win. Um, us Preston. Um, even though we're in fifteenth position, we're only two points outside the playoffs. Um, three weeks ago, we were in the playoffs, and then we promptly lost three games on the trot. When we we're in a really good position, uh, with two home games to come, and we lost them both, one to bottom of the league or this field. So that's the mad world of the championship. I mean, couple of wins, you're up there; couple of defeats, and you're back down there again. And I'm sure Alex will be thinking the same. He just been following him obviously I'm a big fan of his and um, it seems he's stuttering a bit at Stoke he can't just get it going even though I believe you're playing decent but you're just not getting the results but I'm sure that'll turn around because he's a top guy and a top manager um, and no doubt he'll be relishing this game on Monday against Preston, you've already done us at our place but I think Alex really wants to put the knife in so to speak and beat us again um, we had a good rapport with the fans, but I don't think he's happy, as I mentioned previously, the way he was treated, and rightly so. But as a Preston fan, obviously, I'm hoping for a, a Preston win. Um, but we seem to be lacking a bit of self-belief, so maybe it's a good time to play us, or maybe it's a good time for us to play you. So it should be an interesting battle, to be fair. Um, Alex will have done his own work uh, on us, and we're basically... Everybody knows that Ryan Law loves a 3-5-2. Uh, Plymouth, who his previous club, uh, doing really well in League One. I think they're top playing the same system. So I can't see it changing. 
but it doesn't seem to be working with the players he's got at the moment. But you know that's up to him, sort of thing. Um, so yeah, we'll be there. And uh, my prediction: Stoke one, Preston one. Uh, cheers for that, Steve. Um, yeah, I mean we definitely need to get him on, don't we, Mike? Yeah, I can only imagine some of the stories. I want to know what he's like in the uh, in the changing rooms, mate. I, I think he gives him the hair dry treatment. I, I don't think he'll have any problems about giving him some proper stick if they need it. But yeah, I'm sure he's got some, uh, some really good stories. And you know, thinking about like, you know, I'm thinking about one of the questions that we had in from from Ben Dan around mentality and stuff like that. I think it'd be interesting to see just how he reacts to certain players and. Since since I'm on that subject as well, mate, I'll I'll, I'll bring it up. But um, I don't know if you've seen this, Dan. But uh, Ben Burgess uh, sent us in a a comment um, around a couple of bits. Um, says, "What are your opinions on our team mentality at the minute?" Uh, Neil keeps talking about how hard the players work and being resilient, but I'm not seeing it. Campbell looked unfit yesterday to me. Small bone covering right wing, uh, small one covering right wing press most of the game. Um, so what, what do you reckon about our team mentality at the minute? I, I think it's better yeah. since the international break, personally. I think we're a lot more resilient. Um, I think there's definitely something's happened there. He's had a word or he's, he's yeah, changed I think something. They seem a lot fitter to me. They have done. Oh, I mean, I didn't naturally pick up on that. I do think Smallbone, in quite a few games I've seen, naturally drifts onto that right hand side of the pitch anyway. I think, um, Quite a lot of games, if you're watching, that seems to be his sort of go-to area, whether it's like a subconscious thing or whether it's a tactical thing he's been asked to do. Um, but he does seem to spend a lot of time out there. As for Campbell, maybe looking unfit, it could possibly be, you know, he's we played you know, quite a lot of games in a short space of time. Um, and he has, as we've sort of said, you know, last in you know, two out of the last three games, he sort of run himself into the ground a bit and you can tell towards the end that he is, you know, shattered. Um, so maybe, like I say, those back-to-back away games and that, and he's put a lot of effort in there, that these games now have just become that little, you know, there's not enough recovery there for him. Um, maybe he needs a break, maybe he does need a rest on against Preston. Um, but I suppose if he does get through that Preston game, then, he could probably have like 10, 10, 12 days off, can't he? If the, uh, you know, don't take him to Hartlepool. Yeah, I mean, I mean Hartlepool, that, that, that's that got to be everybody sitting on our bench right now, hasn't it? Uh, that is the time to give players a rest. Because hasn't it been pretty much like, I mean, I've tried to think of the days now, they've been all over the place. Uh, I, was trying, I was going to say Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, but it's been even more intense than that, hasn't it? Um, so you're right, mate. I think he's probably just a bit knackered yeah, um, at the minute. He's, so he's, he's obviously stepped up a level in how much effort he's putting in, um, or how much effort his body's allowing him to put in, shall we say, the fitness levels that he's at. Um, have obviously quite clearly improved um, recently you know, during the break and that. And you just wonder whether, because he feels that fitter, because he's got his shirt, he's, he's run himself, but then he's... The tank is currently just not quite filling up enough between games. I think she's definitely be starting still. Uh, I don't think we've got anyone better to to cover that right wing position. Maybe you could say if you want to rest him, then Jacob's got to take more of the the onus on himself to create. Very, um, very different footballs. But again, that's the problem. Um, 
like say Campbell, like like Jacob Brown is all energy and he's all energy, he's effort, he's you know, he'll run and run and run and he sort of tries and forces mistakes, doesn't he? As he sort of bulldozes his way through when he sees like when he scores and stuff. Um whereas Campbell he has that sort of that ability to change a game, you know, with the ball at his feet and just running past, you know, taking people on using sort of God-given talents like his pace and stuff. And he's finished. He's probably the best finisher at the club. And he's a natural finisher. Although they're two very good footballers, they're two very different styles, aren't they? I think you maybe have to alter the way you want to play if if you you've got Brown out there instead of Campbell. Yeah, just a bit of housekeeping for everybody just to finish off. Um, so your next podcast will be on Friday. So we're back to normal now. Christmas period, this is the end of it. Um, we'll be recording on Wednesday as per usual. Friday, um, six between 6 and 7 a.m. It'll be landing in your podcast feed, the Heart of the Pool preview. And uh, all your favourites will be back in that one. So we're trying to get, we'll try and get a loany review. Hopefully get one of them. Uh, but we'll get Gaffer and Super 6 updates, which we've sort of put on the back burner a bit at the minute because they're all over the place, aren't they, with how games are being played on different days and everything, and game weeks starting and ending all at different times. Um, so, yeah, Gaffer and Super 6 will be back. Uh, we'll get a quiz on there. We know how much you love your quizzes. We haven't done uh, many of them lately. Uh, we might even have a new special guest on as a third voice, um, somebody you won't have heard before. And also, we'll be taking a look at the January transfer window and what what, and who we feel we need. So, with that in mind, anyone listening to this, if you want any input on that conversation, then by all means, send us a video, uh, send us an audio note, or you know, just uh, drop us a message on Twitter, uh, Facebook. Just let us know, you know, your thoughts on the on the transfer window and what, or in, if you want to be precise, who we should be bringing in and maybe even letting go. But yeah, um, and if there's anything else to say, like I say, uh, we've just sort of said Happy New Year. So I suppose end on that again, Mike. Uh, Happy New Year to yourself, mate. And you, mate. Yeah, and thank you to you know to to yourself and thanks to to everyone who's been involved in the pod, whether it's been guests or presenters who have helped out or you know people behind the scenes with you know graphics and stuff like that you know Andy and Harvey that have been involved you know it's it, it's a team effort this mate and I know it's by and large just being you but I think it's it's a collective so yeah happy new year to everybody else and it's been a difficult year but let's hope it's a, it's a more positive one uh, next yeah. year anyway so yes uh, hopefully like I say we can get three points against Preston and uh, when we reconvene on Wednesday, we can have a nice positive podcast for you to listen to uh, next Friday, uh, ready for that long trip up to Hartlepool. So, yes, enjoy uh, the start to 2023, people. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However... When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116-123. That's 116-123. 
They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.